Hello, welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by informed millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, July 27th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And um, a whole slate of things to talk about. Uh, I, You have a whole bunch of non-Trump-related stuff you wanted to discuss. I do. So let's get the Trump stuff out of the way first. Sure. Okay. So Mueller testified this week, finally. And um, it was, I think, exactly what we expected. Yeah. Um, he reiterated some things and he laid out his case. He he um, did not read from the report, but others read parts of the report. And he said, and like, so this is what you said or this is what you meant? And he would say yes or no or I don't want to comment. Yep. Uh, lots of no comments for ongoing things or stuff that were in his jurisdiction. Very by the book. Very, you know, kind of what we expected. And I mean, if you actually listened to the substance of what was said, it confirmed, yes, Trump is a crook. <laughs> yes, he did lots of illegal shit, but just not enough to where we felt it was ironclad to say, you know that he should be indicted and we couldn't do that anyway because of the OLC memo uh, or like it, it's complicated but you know he laid out all the shit that Trump has been denying and his handlers and the Republicans have been denying the whole time about all the shit he did that would be enough to get any president impeached and to certainly make him wildly unpopular and make it virtually impossible that the guy could be reelected let alone be able to serve out his term in office, but because the fourth estate is dead, everybody talked about how, oh, he looked so old and he, he sounded like a frail old man and there wasn't any wow moments. This, the last scene from Perry Mason didn't happen. Therefore it's a win for Trump. And that's kind of what the media harped on and then in the knee-jerk reaction was well impeachment's dead and guess what no impeachment's happening at least the impeachment inquiry process is beginning and go ahead your thoughts on all that that's my thoughts giant sigh <laughs> um <clears throat> you and i were discussing earlier in the week this idea that uh, prior to the hearings, everyone was like, oh, my God, finally, Mueller's going to testify and we're going to get him. We're going to get him. And it's, it's like, it's are, say we, where the bodies are, are, buried, are we yeah. doing this again? Are we doing this again? Right. Where Mueller's the great savior of the country and he's going to come before Congress and he's going to lay out this big impassioned speech about why he's now choosing to indict the president on <laughs> crimes and it's going to be this great moment and he's going to take out his handcuffs and march his ass into the Oval Office and arrest. <laughs> Come on. No. Nothing. No, I was like, why are we even... I didn't even watch it. I don't care. I don't care. This man had his opportunity to do a thing. He didn't do it. Uh, he is a company man all the way yeah. down the line, yep. everyone was like, oh, he's gonna, you know, <laughs> the breathless speculation on MSNBC for the days prior to it was, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to go by these guidelines, and <laughs> he has this opening statement that he hasn't given to the White House yet, and maybe this means that, and I'm like, shut yeah. the fuck up, who are you? Have you been watching anything? Yeah. This man is not going to do anything that he was told he can't do. No. He 
believes that the president is the president and Bill Barr is his boss. And his boss told him he can't do a thing, so he's not going to do it. He is never, he's, he is so fucking by the book. He's such up the man's ass. He is the man. He is right? the man. He's yeah. the man. He's the fucking. He is. He works the, for the FBI. Like, what do you expect he, him to he's do? He's like the top cop in the country, almost, or was. Yes. And let me put it to you this way: This is what drives me crazy about him, though, because the in, the more interesting part, from a philosophical part, was like the very end, like the last few questioners, and then they sort of got into the philosophical stuff with 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 Mueller, basically, like. Hey, Mueller, this is all really bad, right? This is, like, republic-threatening, and we're, like, in this new phase where, like, shit is kind of off the rails. And Mueller's like, yep, Yep. I think you're right. That's true. And, like, it's like, yeah, like, and... If you would like him to opine on the state of our republic... That would be interesting because I think he thinks it's as dire as I think it is. But the, but, but it's not within his purview to do anything nope. more than exactly what is in his job description. Correct. And like, he did not do anything more than uh, that. Unlike, unlike, like, if you work in the corporate world, they're always pressing upon you until it's inconvenient. They're pressing upon you like, this is your job description, but we really want you to do more. More. Innovate. Right? Yeah, think take, outside the box. Take uh, initiative. Right. Right. Do right. all that shit. Not in, how it in, works in government. No. In the, in the like, government law enforcement world, it's, you know, to stay within the lines. Now, not everybody does that, but, like, a cat like Mueller, oh, my God. Like Basically, that, think of him as a soldier. He, he doesn't, he... The he most literally loyal, thinks, yes. He's Commander Data from Star Trek. Correct. He takes what you say literally, and he performs his job function as precisely as you have laid it out, mm-hmm. no more and no less. Nope. He doesn't do any critical thinking about it. Um, I mean, I think he probably does, but that is not reflected in his job performance at all. Yeah. He just does his job precisely what you asked him to do, and no more and no less. And he will do no more and no less because he views that as loyalty to country, uh, fealty to power the structure the, the structure and but even when you pin him down and say well everything's falling apart it's not working anymore he's like yeah it kind of looks that way but uh, this is my job right yeah uh, I, I agree with you everything's not working and i'm doing nothing to change that because and, that's and not I, my job right and i and i yeah. get it and i and i understand and at the same time it's <coughs> it feels like that's what everybody's kind of doing We're, yeah. like with the exception of um, some members of the opposition party, uh, and you know they have politics on 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 the brain too. So, you know everything is cast through the lens of being political. But all the people like Mueller, you know, they're all kind of in this box where, like, yeah, the republic is falling, but I, but I, I'm a part of the republic, so I follow with it. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what happens. I have to color within the lines. Yes, and this is how republics fall. Mm-hmm. Is when the people in power um, see what's happening and just choose to toe the party line, just choose to go along with it because that's what they've always done. That's what's always been done. Um, and whatever the president says or does or the administration or the structure does that is unjust or potentially destabilizing is just part of that's just part of what happens. And I guess there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And it's it's very demoralizing. And, and that's why scary. I was it's very scary. It's a very scary time. But that's why I was like, I don't understand why people are excited about this. Yeah. I really don't and, get and, and it. I, just don't. I think the specific question was, and again, this was like at the very end, where I forget who it was, one of the uh, Democrats on the uh, Intelligence Committee asked, um, well, you know, 
essentially Trump is for the time being getting away with this or you didn't have enough to charge him. So now seeking out this help from foreign adversaries to win elections is probably the new normal. And Mueller's like, like, I hope not, but probably is. Right. And, and it's like, it's not that he doesn't have the self-awareness that he could have done something more to reverse that. It's that he's saying, I got to work within, you know, the, the confines of the system. He believes in the structures. He believes in the system. He is that guy. And let's not forget that he's, what, like almost 80? Yeah, but, but and even he, more than that, he believes that if, if, but if the system doesn't work and it all falls apart, oh, well. I did my job, mm-hmm. and so fuck it. Right. <sighs> and that's the worst sort of moral cowardice, I think. That you are in a position of power, that you're in a position where you could make a difference, and you choose sort of fealty to the crown over the right thing, the moral yeah. thing, and the thing that might potentially save the republic, if that's the thing that you purport to care about so much. Um, and he didn't do that. And that's... <clears throat> that's what he did. And I, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, he's going to go down in history as a hero. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> history, <laughs> your versions of history are so uh, vile that that might be true. Um, but uh, not for me. And and for, uh, he was never the great savior anyway, right? Yeah. He's a fucking cop. He's a lifelong Republican <laughs> cop. So like that's what you, it's like we we got a lot of people got sucked into this with Trump and Giuliani and Fox News you know saying he's conflicted and he's terrible and it's a witch hunt and like oh no he's one of ours now like no no he, he's always been a part of that thing that was never our friend and that's the thing <laughs> yeah. we have to keep remembering is like the FBI is not your friend yeah it's the same mode where like the system is designed to oppress um, native people and people of color and people working within that system say the same thing. Like the master's I, tools will I'm, never dismantle the master's house. I'm working within the system. The master's tools will never, never dismantle the master's house. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You, you can't work within the system to, uh, to, to tear the system apart. That's not how it works. Look, I think there were plenty of career FBI people who were surveilling Martin Luther King, uh, and, and, and gathering at the behest of J. Edgar Hoover, you know, gathering compromise on him that weren't white hood wearing clan members that right. shouted the N word all the time. They were just career people. And like, well, these are my orders, and this is what I'm supposed and this to do. person is is doing things that we have determined are destabilizing. Therefore, you know, yep. we need to treat him as a as a a hostile target. Correct. Because they work within the system. It's yes. the same system that Mueller's a part of. Yes, exactly correct. And justice may or may justice in its truest form may not may or may not be a part of that right. because the system will do what the system does. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do. Let the, let the very rich and the very yes. powerful get away with basically whatever they want. Correct. And then set up a system around that to justify it and make it okay. Yeah, that's what it's meant to do. This is all working exactly the way it's supposed to work. The no. question is, do you want it to work that way? Do you want to live inside of a system that is intended to work precisely this way? Well, here we are. The next 8 to 12 months are really going to decide the fate of the republic here because now this is what's happening. At the, at the very least, we've <coughs> laid bare that we have foreign, foreign influence and foreign interference in our elections is a thing. 
and we have the Republican Senate majority leader refusing to do anything about it and and we know he knows and we know everybody knows it's a thing and we also know that he is refusing to do anything about it because that is how he can stay in power and how his party can stay in power. Right. So what do we do about that? Do people care enough as voters or as protesters or as civil disobedience actors to do anything about it? I don't know. I'm pessimistic. Um, I mean, Mitch McConnell is allowed to just come out and say, just weeks after receiving, I just learned today, a very large financial contribution from the companies that make the voting machines, (laughs) that he has no intention of allowing any legislation to get on the floor of the Senate um, regarding protecting the 2020 elections against interference. Yeah. Just he's allowed to come out and say that sentence. And we're supposed to just say, oh, okay. Well, We'll just, that's fine. We'll just register more voters. That's fine. That doesn't seem like a problem. <laughs> I mean, really, at this point, like, there's no more. Why are we even dog whistling? The Republicans are going to steal the 2020 election through interference. They're going to damn sure try through uh, through tampering, through whatever methods they possibly can, using foreign interference if that's helpful to them. Um, they are not pretending like they're not going to do it. They're not even like trying to seem like they're not doing it. They're coming right out and saying, I am not going to protect the election from interference or tampering. I'm not doing that. Again, I refuse to allow that to happen because again, I want to interfere with it. That's the next set sentence that follows. Yeah. The sentence that follows is, I intend to do that. Therefore, I'm not going to make a law that disallows me from doing it. Right. That's it. And that leads me to my next point. And, and I maintain that only actually works um, if it's close enough to steal. I, I, I don't think you could have gotten away with that in 2008 or even 2012 when the difference in the raw vote was so dramatic and the electoral vote was so dramatic. Like, if there's a couple states that you can finagle 10,000 votes here or there, you can get away with it. I, I don't think even Mitch McConnell could try to get away with, you know, flipping a million votes in different states. Like, that's a very tall order. And for various reasons that, you know... He doesn't uh, need to. Elections are still... Well, he, does, he doesn't need to if it looks like it's going to look like in 2016. Right. If we, if we swamp them, then it, you, know, you can't steal it. Like, <laughs> if, if the... Uh, um, let me... I, I don't know. If, if, the, if you have a, a shitty football team and you're playing a much better football team and you're going to lose by 40, you can grease the referees and they can make it a little closer, but you're not going to win, right? Right, but you if you're fair, 30. Yeah, if you're fairly evenly matched and it could go either way and you can get some help, then, you know, there you go. That's, that's, that's my point. That's the game. Yeah, in any, in any event, though, so now what Democrats are doing, and I'm starting to understand it a little more, you know, they've been, Pelosi especially, been holding off no impeachment, no impeachment, no impeachment. There's several reasons for this. First of all, when, when your average American thinks impeachment, they think immediately that, me, that means a vote to remove somebody from office. Right. But there's many steps to it. And the first part is an impeachment inquiry. And they've kind of very, just very slowly dipped their toe in the water on this. Well, remember, so, Bill Clinton was impeached and then served the remainder of his term. Well, well, we got to a vote on that. Articles of impeachment were sent to the Senate and they, there was a vote whether to remove him from office. Correct. Because those are two different things. But it was a democratically controlled Senate. It never happened. Right. Mm-hmm. But... 
Pelosi and leadership are so afraid of people hearing the I word and freaking out over it that they're doing it without waving a banner saying we're doing impeachment. We're so good at this. Doing a thing and then not telling anybody we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing how we manage to do something that everyone wants us to do and then not tell them. Well, they're under the impression that people yeah, don't. Yeah, they always are. We are always under the impression that people don't actually want to know what we're doing. They'll just be happy when it's done. <laughs> and it's like, can we please stop this? Well, I, I Can we just explain what we're doing? Because people want this. The, the, contrary to whatever the fucking Beltway thinks... Everybody I talk to is like, what the fuck is, why? Even like Josh is like, it should have already happened by now. Yeah, we're so far behind. What the fuck? And like, that's the frustration. The frustration is not, I don't want it because of some, I don't even understand really what they think people think. But it's more the frustration of like, look, it already should have been done. Like, at this point, what's the point? Is the thing I'm hearing from most people who are like, impeachment, I guess. Like, if we can still do that, but why, why now? Why haven't you already fucking done it? Why yeah. didn't you do it day one? Like, why is he still the president? And there's all these Democrats. We, and we like, talked why? about that. Like, in, in, their, in their mind, they had to follow all these steps and make this case saying, well, we tried this and we tried that and we tried to get this information. Nobody cares. That's and the other Robert thing. Mueller it's like people don't care about everybody. process. They don't care. They don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. It's not up to, it's not really their job to understand it. And Republicans understand that. And that's why yes. they say fuck process. Yes. Fuck norms. Yes. Fuck everything else. Yes. Just do what the people say. Make them just do the thing. And many Democrats in leadership are still under the impression of, well, if we stay true to form and norms, then people will see, will see we're the grownups and then we'll be rewarded eventually. And I don't know why and, they and still think this now everybody's way. just frustrated. They're just like, like so. Like after, after Donald Trump got elected. Why would anybody still believe that? And after what Mitch McConnell has done to the Senate, why would anybody still, you know, and you lost the Senate at, at the, at you know, yeah. at the poll. So why would you assume like, oh, we'll still be rewarded for trying to uphold norms? And and if we just follow the right, pro- we'll just, and then we don't explain that's what we're doing either. We just say, <laughs> well, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. We'll wait and see, we'll wait and see. And you don't even explain the process that you think that you have to follow because nobody fucking cares about that except for you. And then everyone's just like, well, the Democrats are fucking useless. Why did I even bother? Why did I even vote? I went out and protested. I yeah. fucking knocked on doors for these people. And then they're in here for two goddamn years and he's still the fucking president. And now I have to vote. I, what is happening? Like, people are f- so frustrated. Well, the good news is that we are going to get hearings. They better happen soon. And But we are going to get the... And they better be razor sharp fucking teeth. Yeah, they better be. Our our your buddy Jonah Goose is going to yeah. play a big part in it. He was made, made himself very conspicuous at that yes. press conference yesterday. Jonah Goose, who won in twenty eighteen for congressional district two, which is the congressional district mm-hmm. that Jared Polis, our governor, um, exited to become governor. Yeah, which takes over Boulder and other parts of uh, that part of the state. Yep. And he's the first black congressman out of the state of Colorado. Um, he is a tremendous human being, and I'm very glad that he's doing the right thing. And you're going to get Schiff and Swalwell and Cummings, and they're all going to be asking very tough questions, and they're going to try to get Don McGahn to testify, and he's going to try like hell not to. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to illuminate so much more of this stuff and have it talked about. And I hope it works. I don't know if it will. And I just, you know, it's hard to imagine at this point that I guess this is what the calculus is. If there's an intelligent calculus behind it, 
it's saying like, yeah, I know all this stuff is baked in, but you still have that sliver of the country that they are not really going to get it until it's pounded in their heads every day, day after day, day after day, how crooked this campaign was. And they, and you know, we need this stuff to come to light one way or another. I'm just with you that like, what were we waiting for? Why didn't we do this day one yes. when we had control of the house? And why are we doing it in this cloak and dagger way? Well, it's not going to be cloak and dagger anymore. The, the hearings will be as public as you can make them. But we're not going to call them impeachment hearings. Because we, we're no. going to call them something else so that we don't admit that we're doing the thing everyone wants us to do. Well, the idea here is, and this is the other way they're kind of boxed in and, and why I know Pelosi never wanted to go down this road. Um, not that she was right to not do it, but I get it. Because then if things go really well, the way we want, and all this stuff comes to light and people go, holy shit, wow, he really was trying to build a Trump Tower Moscow during the campaign and he's embezzled all this Russian drug money and holy shit, this is so much worse than we thought. Then you're talking about, well, now what? Are we, now should we issue articles of impeachment and actually bring it to the Senate for a vote? And Democratic leadership does not want to do that. Why? Because, because well, they'll lose and then so? they'll think it's a big win for Trump the way it was a win for Clinton that it ultimately came to a vote and he wasn't removed from office and he'll just gloat and puff his chest out and that'll help him in 2020. That's what they think. And then who won after Clinton? <laughs> right. We got George W. Bush. Uh-huh. They always forget that. Part. Right. What happened after that? Yeah. Bill Clinton won. Yeah, We, we did okay in the midterms get in 98, okay. but, but then we lost the White House. Yeah. For eight years. Under the stupidest man prior to the current <laughs> stupidest man that's ever been in the White House, who did uh, devastating, lasting damage to the country. Yeah. On a scale that we sometimes forget about because he seems cute and quaint now. Yeah, they always forget that, right? They're always, they, they always talk about, well, there was such that, that backlash to the uh, impeachment of Bill Clinton. And I'm mm, like, was there? I don't think so. No, I don't think that there was. And remember, this is over a fucking blowjob. And, yeah, we probably shouldn't impeach a president for that. That's maybe why people were like, this seems extreme. You know, this is different. This is not that. This is even not re- even close to that. They don't even remember that correctly. Because my sense from that time was, and I was you know, old enough to be pretty politically active and aware, it wasn't so much, oh, everybody's really angry that we're doing this impeachment hearing. People were just indifferent. Like it was like it, the this economy's is senseless. fine. We like Clinton. This is about a blowjob. This is some bullshit. It's senseless. Political it feels thing. like cares? political. It feels not necessary. But like I, this it, is his there, private life. There weren't a whole bunch of like independents going like, "Ooh, I hate that this impeachment's happening, and now I'm going to go vote Democratic." Like it was just like, "Eh, oh, you're doing an impeachment thing, whatever." Yeah, just everybody. Like my my dad was mad. He was he was like he lied because he didn't like Clinton. Well, yeah, I'm not talking but about like, I'm not talking about the rest hardcore of the partisans. That I know we're like this is dumb. I'm talking about more independent minded right type voters right like just didn't it really just affect like, them either way. What why what are we doing? And now there's this report and they, they did this big splashy thing right this big splashy you know uh, juicy report and hearings and blah mm-hmm. blah blah it was all over every news everything constantly for months because he got caught in a lie who <laughs> nobody lies about sex ever right uh in a thing that is unrelated entirely to um what the deposition he was supposed to be in was for but they did it and it 
worked ish. Um, and he was impeached and then not removed from office. Um, so they managed to do that over that piddly thing. And we're staring down the barrel of the death of the Republic. And we're like, mm, maybe we should just like do it light and not tell anyone. And then like, we'll just have like a hearing and maybe some people will watch it. Well, and this, then, is, like, this is why. Then what is the fucking point? What is the end game? I see where they're coming from, but I don't understand the logic. Like, you know, if this, this impeachment inquiry is going to unearth all this stuff and it's going to get people really on board and then you have a majority that wants him removed from office and you turn it over to Senate Republicans and they say, no, we want to keep this crook in power because we have a lust for power. How does that hurt How us How does in that hurt us in 2020 is my exact question. We do all of that. We force them to the question. We uncover the whole ball game, right? Mm-hmm. Everything's made public. All of the redactions. Everything's out in the open. We hold public hearings. Everybody's like, holy fuck, right? Mm-hmm. And you hand it to Mitch McConnell and you say, here you go. Remove this motherfucker. And he's like, nope. And every Republican has to, even if he doesn't, I mean, I think he has to bring it to a vote at that point. So then you have to put every person who's up for re-election in 2020 or who just is a human being in elected office. And you have to make them say, no, I'm fine with that. Because and then we have an election. Because what do you think so, will happen? They're so afraid of what they think is the, quote, Republican backlash, even when it never happened. What, and you still what? have... Ba- hold fuck on. that. You still have the pundits on MSNBC talking about the Kavanaugh backlash and the Republicans what got ba- so fired up. It's like, did you see what happened in the midterms? Right. What <laughs> like, backlash? They're going to yell at us? Did that work? Are we seriously like their beaten stepchildren? That we're like, oh my God, they might yell at us. And Fox News will say mean things. Who fucking cares? I don't care about that. I don't care. And if you have that thin of skin, you shouldn't be in Washington. But also- Democratic leadership and Democratic <clears throat> strategists those old, are still under the impression that anytime you rile up the Republican base, a bunch of them that would sit out and they not don't vote sit all out. of a sudden will- Yeah, they don't. They Our don't sit out. Our people are the only ones that sit out. And we're going to make them fucking sit out if we don't do this. Yeah. God, we need. We are going to have a crisis of Democratic voters if we don't do this. We need so much fresh new blood among the ranks of the Democratic strategists and leadership. And leadership. We just do. This is so obvious to everyone else and not to the people who have been in Washington for, I sound like my fucking dad, but have been in Washington for so fucking long and are so out of touch and are just like, this is how it's always been done, so this is how we do it. I mean, And it's like, we are in a brave new fucking world, Your guys. dad's right for the wrong reasons. Right, uh, and I mean, know? he's been saying this for years. Sure. They're that, out of that's, touch. That's his shtick, yeah. But he's not wrong in this case. No, he's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. And, and They've y- been there for too fucking long. They're, they don't understand what really happens what the rest of the country believes they listen to all of the Sunday talk shows and all the, the beltway, right? That's all they know. But that's, that's always been the democratic playbook is play not to lose play it safe. Republicans are super aggressive and it costs them sometimes and they overstep and sometimes they win. Uh, and, and they win in unexpected ways. Look, if we had competent strategists and leadership going against Donald Trump, like we should be looking at epic wipeouts in the Senate and the presidency. And right now we're just fighting to hope we win. And that's uncertain. We should be looking at a generation 
of Democrats. We should be looking at 30 or 40 years of the Republicans not having control after the after this. travesty of Donald Trump. Yeah. And we're worrying about whether we can even beat him and maybe take back a couple seats in the Senate. Maybe we can win. Yeah. That is why we that's why we're in crisis as a party. It's because of the leadership and the strategists like this is it's outrageous. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. The, the other way to look at it is the country is so far gone and so racist and so ignorant that this is all pointless anyway. Yeah. Like we're, 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 we're a nation of ignorant, racist dullards who just don't care about anything. And then it's like, well, let's just pack up and get the hell out of here. Well, I mean, I have two hats, right? I have my my old hat, which is my like everything we just talked about, and I can be a party guy and talk about party and talk about strategy and how to win and saving the republic. And then I have my new hat, which has always been my hat, really, but it just is really my hat now, which is like, fuck the state. It's all corrupt. It's an oppression machine built off the backs of poor and oppressed people, and, and it's just why do we need to save yeah. it? It's, yeah. We're just burying it naked so that we can all look at what it really always has been, mm-hmm. which is an oppression machine. And it's always been to serve rich people. It's always been to serve white people. It's always been to serve men. And it's always been uh, a tool to keep people in their place so that they can make profits for rich people. That's mm-hmm. what the state has always been and will continue to be regardless of who the new president is. However, I also recognize that I live inside of that system. And while that is true, and while it holds, I would like to do damage control, right? Mm-hmm. Harm reduction. Mitigation. Harm reduction and mitigation. And so while we live in this incredibly corrupt and oppressive system, um, we need to elect people who are going to be less corrupt and oppressive. Yes. Yes. And we have a couple That's why of you have to have two hats. <laughs> decent options on our side, although right now the guy who's winning is actually the closest to <laughs> the, exactly what we don't want and it's uh, it's very disheartening. Anyway, I'm not Let's 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 skip that for a while. Just yeah. to, we're going to mention that there's another debate coming up Wednesday and we'll tell you about it after we watch it. Yeah. It's Tuesday um, and Wednesday or just Wednesday? It's two nights because there's still 20 candidates. Uh, In in any event, um, before we close up shop bitching about Trump and Democratic leadership, we are going to have impeachment hearings. Um, It's going to be weird and piecemeal and and there's things that have to shake out in the courts and it's, you know, it's going to be a day by day thing. We will digest it for you every week and explain what the hell's going on. But, you know, there's going to be some interesting television coming up. So... Also, I just want to point out, uh, before we are done bitching about Trump, what he said today about Elijah Cummings. Yeah, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he used language that was literally from the pages of Adolf Hitler talking about Jews when he's, he's saying that... Talking Eli- about Baltimore. A, a Baltimore, Elijah Cummings district is rat infested and disgusting and has garbage everywhere. Nobody would have, no human being would ever want to live there. Yeah. Which, interestingly, um, came right after a Fox and Friends segment (laughs) on comparing Baltimore, the conditions in Baltimore, to the conditions at the border. 
Yeah, and how the border camps are so much better than Baltimore. Living in Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, it's just racist on its face. There's it, 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 there's nothing else. It's not even dog whistling anymore. Yeah. It, it, it is the uh, it is the language. Um, really, it, it it is the language of of fascism and of genocide. Yeah. When you start talking about infestations. Um, and and Joy Reid tweeted like he does this all the time. People don't realize how he uses this language all the time. And I and I said no. The problem is we all know this. Yeah. And yet there is a hard bottom of 40% that seemingly Trump will never go under. Uh, they with, like it. With the American public. They like it. Yeah. They like it or they don't care or they don't pretend not to get it or whatever. It's fine because the economy is good or whatever they, they, they have to say about it. That's the problem. Problem isn't that, that we don't know. The problem is we do know. We all know what Trump says and why he says it and what he means. And we've come to a crisis, a moral crisis, really, that we've always been in, but that we're like really facing, which is that we, this country was built and founded on the blood of black and brown people and on enslavement and genocide of black and brown people. And we're sort of fine with that. And when we aren't allowed to enslave them anymore, then we just find new and creative ways to to still enslave and and kill them. So now we have concentration camps for immigrants and mass incarceration for black people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a thing that all of us seem to be okay with. Um, At at least mass incarceration is a thing that we've been okay with for a long time. Um, And that's just a new version sort of of slavery, right? Yeah, well, and then what you get in these cities like Baltimore is gentrification to where instead of investing in these poor or blighted communities, you just... Um, well, first you call them blighted, and then you can have developers come in yeah, and, and then you force people out of their community. And build housing that the people who are living there cannot afford. Rather people than who for generations Investing in building there. up that economy from the ground up, right. you just kind of pave over it. Right. And chase everybody away. And nobody's talking about that. Yeah. And so this is what is driving me kind of crazy like in, in response a lot of these white liberals are saying oh yeah well look at this beautiful part of Baltimore and then they show a really gentrified part of the city and it's like <laughs> fuck you god damn it oh it's beautiful you're because not, we drove all the black people out see not it's an up and coming neighborhood helping. Travis because there's no there's no minorities that live there anymore so see what good we did that's literally the language of gentrification the re- it's crazy the rebuttal to Trump should be from John Waters yeah Call. I would love to hear him say something about this. You might. In any event, um, okay, let's move off of Trump for the minute because you have a million things you wanted to talk about, not directly Trump related or sort of Trump related. Or, mm, I mean, I have like five things I want to get to that I was going to get to in the second half. Um, let's pick one that is uh, mm-hmm. easier. shorter let's say (laughs) Um, unless you have anything you want to fill the next 10 minutes with well sure Um, let's talk about the American citizen that was held for yeah that was on my list 24 23 days 23 days and again an American citizen who was captured uh, by border patrol 
I think going to a soccer game or something. So he and his brother were traveling in Texas. He was born in Texas. His brother was born in Mexico and is not a legal citizen. Um, they were traveling to go to a, um, a tryout, essentially. He was going to try to um, put himself in front of some um, college scouts, I guess, uh, to see if he could get a scholarship because he's coming out of high school. A soccer player, right? Yeah, 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 he's a soccer player. So he was going to go in front of a bunch of scouts to see if he could get a scholarship for um, college. And they passed through one of the border, um, uh, what do you call them, border whatever places. He wasn't near the border necessarily, but they have these like checkpoints. And he'd passed through these checkpoints multiple times before, but um, for whatever reason, this time uh, it did not go well. On him, he had his social security card, his birth certificate, um, and his Texas state ID. Yeah, he was prepared for this. Yeah, like, he carries them everywhere because he, he knows has, this could happen. He, he is a, a Mexican American, right? Like his his mom and he's a Mexican American, and so he's aware that he's going to be profiled at the border stops. So he gets stopped. They look at it, and they decide that it must be fake documentation. <laughs> his social security. What else can you ask this guy for? He, they're like, well, he didn't have his passport, and he's like, I don't have a passport. Yeah, it's not a legal <laughs> right? requirement to have a passport. He has his social security. And they card, would have just said that was fake too, so it's bullshit. Social anyway. security card, birth certificate, and Texas state ID. Right, all of which says that he is an American citizen. Unfortunately, his mother, um, who was is an, uh, not a legal citizen, um, when he was born, she she made a choice to do some things that she thought would make it easier for him to travel back and forth between the United States and Mexico because mm-hmm. that's where the rest of their family is still. Mm-hmm. And so um, she got him a Mexican visa passport, I guess, so that he could more easily travel to Mexico and back. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not exactly sure how that paperwork works, but somehow they discovered that and then... Um, they were like, well, then everything must be false. So they lock him up in a concentration camp. Um, they do not allow him to have access to a phone or to speak to anyone for two and a half weeks. He can't contact a lawyer. He can't contact his mom. He can't contact anyone to tell them where he is. His brother, who he was with, who is not a legal citizen, opted to self-deport so that he could contact their mom right. and say, this is what's happening. So his brother self-deported, contacted his mom. His mom can't do anything, can't confirm where he is. He has no contact with anyone for a full almost three weeks. Finally, um, I mean, the mom is contacting ICE, Border Patrol, everybody being like, here's all of his documentation. He is a U.S. citizen. He was born in this country. Like, this is the legit thing. And they, like, don't listen to her. She gets a lawyer finally. And the lawyer is able to get him out in, like, a day. Um, He lost 26 pounds Mm. in the three weeks that he was there. Couldn't take a shower. Couldn't take a shower for 23 days. Um, reported back everything that the uh, migrants that are currently being held there have said. Um, it's truly horrific. And this is a U.S. citizen. So if you so if think... if you don't think it can happen to you... <laughs> kidding yourself. Yeah. And, and Listen, I mean, Profiling about, or not, maybe they'll just decide, maybe you'll be at a protest and decide, well, you look Hispanic to us. Uh-huh. Where's your ID? Here it is. Oh, well, yours... That I don't have fake. my birth certificate on me. Oh, well, then we're going to determine... You don't, I don't have my social security card. I don't have a passport. Oh, well, we're going to put you in a hole for three weeks and you don't get to call a lawyer. You don't even get to call your mom. Nobody knows where you are. Not joking around. This kid could have just been disappeared. Yeah. 
He could have just been disappeared. This, that's fascism. Yes. And to the media's credit, they're on top of the story. Uh, at least the but media. But the only that we reason that they even knew into. about it was because the brother self-deported was able to contact their mom, and their mom got a lawyer. Yeah, the kid himself almost almost kid, self-deported. Yes, you know, if that kid did not go with his brother and just went by himself, no one would ever have known where he was. How would he ever? The only reason we know about this kid, the only reason he's not in a fucking concentration camp still, is because he had a brother with him who self-deported. It's a black box. This is fucking terrifying. Can can I, I need to tell you something because it's so farcical what's happening that it Okay. In the late eighties there was a movie starring Cheech Marin. I think Cheech Marin even wrote it, called Born in East LA, where Cheech Marin is playing this character who's like helping a relative or friend do something near the border, and he gets picked up by immigration. And they're like, Negra back then. Yeah. And we're like, I think it was INS back then. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, we're, we're going to deport you. Where's your identification? He's like, oh, hey, I'm from East LA, man. I was born in Los Angeles. Yeah. And they're like, no, you're not. We're, we're deporting you. And he gets sent to Mexico. And it's supposed to be a, a it's supposed to be it's a comedy, a farcical comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, with, with social implications. But like, that's real life now. This kid almost self-deported himself to a country he's not a citizen of. Yeah. Just to be able to use like, a phone and have a shower. Yes. Deport me to where? And I I, I, live I think in he Dallas. realized like well if I do that, I'm not getting any of that identification back, then I'm really screwed and I might be stuck here for God knows how long, if not forever. Yeah. So he's so he decided to wait it out. And I would like to think heads will roll. I would like to think something will happen to this. But look who's in charge. Right. Why would that happen? <laughs> Nobody feels I bad mean, about this. That's <laughs> another thing. Put it on like, your plate, Democrats. There's got to be hearings. They're really the head of Border Patrol should be hauled back in next week. Of course, I think they're about to go on recess and and answer what the fuck happened. Why are American citizens being detained for three weeks without any representation or access to phones, and that should be televised, and everybody should hear that. We're, we're, this is our only recourse now, while we still have it. Right. While we still have it. Because we're at, just like, oops, oh well. At some point, if the Republicans still have the White House and the Senate, at some point, they're just going to not let Democrats even speak, right? Yep. Like, we'll get there eventually. But for the time being, we have a press, a semi-free press, and we have an opposition party. And we, we better spend every waking minute screaming about the encroaching fascism. Right. We have to. Because maybe this was an oops because racism, right? <laughs> but this is a tactic also. Oh, and it's not an isolated incident. This is the first one we're hearing about. I've read lots of stories about American citizens being detained. Yes. This is a more extreme case. Mm-hmm. But don't think that this is not a tactic that can be used against political dissidents. Of That's course. the next step. They're like, fuck, we could have gotten away with that if that brother hadn't self-deported. Yep. Okay, well, the next time somebody pisses us off, just make them illegal. They probably won't have, they'll probably have less identification than this kid had. Mm-hmm. And we'll say that they seemed suspicious and they spoke with a funny accent and they looked brown. They could be as white as I am. And they can be like, you seem illegal. And they'll, and they'll literally throw me in drop a fucking them off hole. at the side of the road in Mexico. Or just throw me in a hole. Yeah. Throw me in a hole. 
in a place where I'm not allowed access to anyone or anything. No one will know where I went. No one will know what happened to me. And I can go away forever. Mm-hmm. They can keep me there as long as they want and no one will ever know. That's where we are. So we can't just let this one, we can't just like get distracted by other shit and let this go. Um, and if you have any conservative friends or family members who shrug this off or try to make excuses, then they're condoning fascism. Like, yes. we're not even talking now about an undocumented uh, asylum seeker. We're talking about Amer- an American citizen. Right. What, what, what's the excuse? Well, how long would he have been there if not for the circumstances that allowed him to have access to the outside world? Indefinitely. Or died there, ostensibly, because people Correct. are dying in these facilities. Yeah, we'll get to that in the second half. So, that's where we are. American citizens... It, 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 look, w- people get mad. Even even some of the MSNBC people get mad when we call, <laughs> and we're we're calling Border Patrol and ICE tactics Gestapo tactics. But they literally are taken they out of that book. Are what do you want? What what else do you want me to compare it to? If an American citizen is being disappeared for three weeks, without and could any- have potentially been disappeared forever. Yeah. Like I- what? What else do you want me to call it? What else do you want me to compare it to? Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a bunch more stuff to talk about, so stick around. Be right back. Reverend Testimony. Rachel, you got a quote-unquote fun story. I have a palate cleanser for us. (laughs) (laughs) Because that last bit was uh, a little bit much. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to get back into something that relates to that directly. But Mm -hmm. this happened on Twitter. Mm. Um, In response to President Trump's vile tweet about Baltimore, David Simon said the following. If this empty suit race-hating fraud had to actually visit West Baltimore for five minutes and meet any of the American citizens who endure there, he'd wet himself. And someone decided to reply to him, so this is the part where you act like at Rep Cummings hasn't been disparaging Trump for two plus years, and also you act like West Baltimore is doing great. Have you watched The Wire, sir? If you don't know why that's funny, it's because David Simon created The Wire. Yeah. He's <laughs> a sort of subject matter expert in Baltimore. And this guy is using his own 
subject matter and, and work product as evidence that he doesn't know anything about uh, I, I, I saw that tweet and I thought <laughs> if the guy knew who David Simon was, it would actually be a clever dig. But I don't think he has any idea who he, he is to. now claiming that it was a joke. And he's complaining to at Jack that he's being mercilessly teased and harassed and um, would like there to be some, you know, censorship that of the teasing. That reminds me. Jack, uh, well, not Jack's personally, but uh, our Reverend Testimony Twitter, the one I mainly use, Rachel has her own, got suspended for a day. I didn't know that. Yeah. What happened? Um, I had written a tweet earlier in the week that said it was complaining about the post Mueller reaction by the press and like how all these MSNBC commentators were saying nothing matters, you know, whatever. This is all great for Trump. Trump is going to be king forever. And then yeah. I closed it with saying we should all just drink bleach. And Twitter, the Twitter bot saw that as a call to action for oh people my God, to do self harm. <laughs> oh my God. So yes, I, that is what you were saying for sure. So I wrote a really sarcastic. Uh, appeal saying like God. my comment was satirical it was not a call to action in any way if an actual you read human the actual thing read the tweet they'd understand that but then it was like okay well we'll get to your appeal sometime but you can't use twitter while your thing's under appeal or you can just click the i'm sorry button and you know you'll, you'll be you'll get back to it i'm like oh fine like Oh, you clicked the I'm sorry button. I shouldn't do it. Yeah, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have taken the plea. Don't do it. Don't take the plea, baby. <laughs> From the Twitter cops. No. <laughs> well, Don't I was fucking very, negotiate with cops. I was very impatient to get back, <laughs> get back to, to Twitter. <laughs> so I... Uh, <clears throat> oh, baby. Well, this is what I did. I screenshotted the thing to show how dumb it was. And then... Um, you know, I got back on Twitter and I immediately posted like, hey, look how dumb it was that Twitter suspended me for this. And since I guess that language is still in there, even though it was just a screenshot, they <laughs> caught me again. <laughs> Did you plea out again? I couldn't this time. Oh, no. It, 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 it said like... Oh my God, how long were you without Twitter? Well, I wasn't totally without Twitter because I could sign into a different account and read, yeah. you know, read Twitter, but I couldn't tweet and stuff. Um... But then it said, okay, well, we've limited the functionality since you, you were naughty again. And you can't, you can only read tweets and stuff for 12 hours. But it wouldn't let me do anything for 12 hours. Oh so God. that was wrong. But anyway, yeah. So well, it reminded me this, this, uh, this guy complaining to Jack about how it was really very mean that people were laughing at him. And could they please do something about people laughing at him? It reminded me <laughs> of that old quote that uh, men are afraid women will laugh at them. And women are afraid men will kill them. Right. Yeah. Because um, those are equivalent. Well, these conservative snowflakes, man, they just... Uh, it's clear to me that it was not a joke tweet because of the first couple sentences where he's like, you, Rep Cummings has been coming after Trump for the last two years. And, you know, I mean, starting it off that way and then being like, also, Baltimore's terrible. Have you seen The Wire? It reads to me as a very like sincere tweet. No, I think it was. I'm yeah, just, I was just thinking like it would have been pretty pointed had he if he had just been like, "Have you seen to. The Wire, sir?" That would have been funny. <laughs> right, right, right. But no. But no, no, that's not what happens. <laughs> that so. happens all the time. <laughs> have you seen? Like, do you know who David Simon is? Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was kind of beautiful. Like the author of a book about white supremacism that gets explained 
Right. Or, I mean, Rebecca Solnit's entire career is about mansplaining because of exactly this thing. Right. Oh, no. Stop talking. Phone. Stop talking. Sorry about that. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about relates directly to the thing we were just talking about, which Mm -hmm. is fascism. Uh, Fascism specifically uh, in relation to the border. Um, So I talk about Natasha Lenard quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Her book... Uh, being numerous is one of my favorite things ever. She wrote a new piece that I uh, I think you should read everything that she writes, to be honest. But this one in particular is about um, William Van Spronson, who was the man who was killed by police while attacking an immigration detention center in Tacoma, Washington. Mm. Um, and I think it's important to talk about this because of what we were just talking about, right? So we get up in arms and yes, the house should hold hearings and we should be hauling the the head of ICE and CBP before Congress and firing everyone and all of that. That's true. Mm-hmm. I can't make them do that, can you? Uh, no, no. Right. I, 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 I've written many strongly worded tweets and it is yet to <laughs> move the needle. Right. So... Her column is about this man, and it's entitled An Unshakable Abhorrence for Injustice. And that is because that is what this man wrote and what was ostensibly him knowing that the thing he was about to go do would probably end in his death. Hmm. And that is his reasoning for doing it, was that he has an unshakable abhorrence for injustice. And that strikes me as something that I also have and I want to talk about what he did and how we might talk about it and how it's currently being talked about in terms of nonviolent protest and what that means and violent protest or seemingly, right? Yeah. He was 69 years old. Um, he was a folk musician. Mm. Um, he, on July 13th at about 4 a.m., the musician and carpenter neared the Northwest Detention Center one of the largest immigrations and customs enforcement concentration camps in the nation. In the parking lot across the street from where over 1,500 immigrants are jailed, he began his attempt to incinerate a fleet of ICE vehicles. With homemade incendiary devices, he tried to burn the empty buses used to transport immigrants to and from cages and to the nearby airport for deportation. He reportedly aimed for a propane tank, too. His efforts were cut short, Tacoma police officers arrived and shot him dead. The aging anarchist expected as much. In a plainly worded final statement, come manifesto, he wrote, I regret that I will miss the rest of the revolution. He also wrote, I have an unshakable abhorrence for injustice. That is what brings me here. ICE Representative Sean Fala stated misleadingly, this could have resulted in the mass murder of staff and detainees housed at the facility. Vince Bronson did not target any buildings holding immigrants or ICE staff. It's true that he was armed with a homemade assembled AR-15, and we do not know whether he exchanged gunfire with the four Tacoma police officers who arrived on the scene. None of them were injured. It's important to note white supremacist masked murderer Dylan Roof was armed, too, when detained unharmed by Charleston police after shooting up a black church. The cops bought him Burger King in custody. Beyond this, 
emphasizing Van Spronsen's vehicular targets matters if we are to appropriately situate his dying act in the history of high-risk sabotage against fascist infrastructures and the implements of state terror. I'm not going to read this whole article because Natasha Lenard is a political philosopher, and it gets a little bit heavy um, for reading on a podcast, but I highly recommend reading this article. I'm just going to like do my very best to summarize probably very poorly the point she's trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks very much about how the current immigration machine and deportation machine um, uses the existing infrastructure of our country, right? They use the same airports that we use. They, they use the same streets, the same bridges. Cops, vehicles. Yes, that we use. And that one of the ways that anti-fascist work has always been done is A, um, property damage, which is not the same thing as violence. Mm -hmm. It's not violent to blow up a bus as long as the bus contains no people. That's property damage. Mm -hmm. And two, she goes on to talk about um, during World War II how some of the most effective campaigns um, against the Nazis were deployed against their infrastructure. So targeting trains, um, targeting uh, roads, targeting things that... um, that they used to implement this structure, right, of genocide. Yeah. I'm just going to read a little bit. Uh, History echoes during World War II, Jewish partisans targeted Nazi infrastructure, blowing up trains, power plants, and factories. Italian partisans targeted communication links, bridges, and rail tracks. In 1943, the Soviets launched Operation Rail War, derailing 1,000 Nazi trains. The latter sabotage efforts are thought to have reduced German transportation and traffic on the Eastern Front by 40%. Van Spronsen's small yet absolute rebellion should be placed in this history, one that understands how the techniques of fascist terror presuppose modernity's Quitonian infrastructure and everyday bureaucracy. This is a quote from him, uh, the man who died. You don't have to burn the motherfucker down, but are you going to just stand by, he wrote. According to the lore of defanged history, there are bystanders and there are upstanders. But that's not quite right, since when in common parlance has standing up been the opposite of standing by? The antithesis of standing by, letting something pass, is obstruction. No parasan, I for one, have been too upstanding. There's little resistance in that. You don't, we don't, individually have to burn the motherfucker down. Obstruction can take many forms. Only committed, collective, direct action on a large scale against the gears of necropolitical deportation machine could render individual extreme action unnecessary. The opposite of standing by. Activists from Never Again Action and the Kosicha movement who shut down the ICE headquarters in Washington, D.C. the same week that Vance Bronson died. The protesters who swarmed the JFK airport in 2017 against the Muslim ban. The cab drivers who refused to drop passengers there. The immigrant rebels of the Gillette Noir who occupied a terminal of Paris's Charles de Gaulle airport in direct resistance to Air France's role as, quote, the official deporter of the French state. Those who lock their doors to ICE and hide their immigrant neighbors. Those who make the identities of agents of terror public and their once comfortable lives intolerable. As Joshua Clover writes, of our new era of circulation struggles, quote, thoroughfare, public square, pipeline, railway, dockside, airport, border, these will be our places. So I think that what I want to say about this man is that we can call him a terrorist, we can call him 
whatever. I, I don't agree with any of that. This man had an intolerance um, for injustice, and he decided to try to obstruct it, to try to stand in the way. I'm not suggesting that all of you go try to blow up some buses and get yourselves killed. But as a community, taking the kind of direct action even that Martin Luther King did, which is just blockage, it's mm -hmm. obstruction. Standing by and standing up, her point is obstruction is the way, blocking things. And the way that we can do that is, you know, when we're standing in the streets and we're protesting whose streets, our streets, you know, ICE is making very clear it's not our streets. And so taking our streets back and making it harder, just making it a little bit harder. You know, I watched a video the other day of some people who um, stood around, it was in, um, where was it? it was somewhere in like Tennessee, I wanna say. Um, there was a undocumented uh, father and son and they their ICE came to their house and they were in their truck. They had one of those bullshit detainee things that is not signed by a judge. And their neighbors literally stood arm in arm around the truck and told them that they weren't allowed in the truck, um, demanded to see a warrant signed by a judge. Um, the, the standoff lasted for a couple of hours and the ICE agents left. And these family members were safely returned to their homes and ICE is not allowed to go into that home until they have a warrant signed by a judge, which won't happen because these people have committed no crime. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about like, how sometimes useless it feels to like go protest or sign a petition or call your congressman, those are important things. There's there other things that you can do, which is just make it a little bit harder. You know, throw a wrench into the bureaucracy of ICE, throw a wrench in it. Just make it a little harder. Stand with your neighbors around a truck, you know? Go stand outside of ICE, wherever it is in your community, with a bunch of people, and just go stand there and make it harder for them to drive people in or out. Just make it harder. It makes a difference. It makes such a difference. It does. Um, yeah, if you look at the life of Gandhi, uh, that that is pretty much all he did I mean he did pers personally he did hunger strikes and things like that but basically forming human chains and yeah. blocking the British authorities from you know moving people or arresting people or tearing down structures or that's you know that's what he did right and and, and you know property damage is not violence particularly when you look at communities who are living in a constant state of violence and fear of violence. Mm -hmm. um, to that, a lot of those people who are fighting, it is because they value property more than people. But Right, but it is not strictly the definition of violence. No yeah. one has been harmed. Um, We're going to need to do a lot more active resistance like that, forming human chains and such, um, as we go further down this path. Uh, we can't just sit back and wait for opposition party leadership and the courts to fix things that's no. not going to be enough even if those things go right right and there's no guarantee those things will Correct. keep going right and um it's really really important to to form community networks um so that what we were talking about before you know somebody just gets disappeared um that that gets noticed and that there's a, a sort of chain of, of people who um are made aware of that and that they can and that 
you know, there's a sort of safety plan for when you're going to go protest, because I think that's going to be necessary, too. Um, there's a lot of online resources, particularly with um, anti-fascist organizations and other places that you can look for things about safety plans and um, and and jail plans and, and community links that you can really start to think about how to engage your community, the people that you know, the people that you trust, um, and then, you know, lawyers and other people that if these things start to happen, we can have an actual plan to um, make sure that somebody doesn't just go languishing forever or die in a concentration camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this man, I, I think, should not, uh, I will not consider a terrorist. I will consider a person who um, wanted to take direct political action against fascism and, and chose to do so in a way that many people won't agree with, but I can understand um, his, um, I don't know, his sort of desperation at doing something. And if everybody did something like locking chains, something like what he did wouldn't need to be done. Exactly. All right, what else you got? Well, okay, let's see. Um, I wanted to talk about, hold on. Uh, Puerto Rico is okay. what I want to talk about. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing that I think we are not talking about enough and that is misunderstood horribly. I was we were driving to work and we're listening to this NPR story about how um, you know, the governor resigned and about how it was because everyone was real mad about how he was like a misogynist and um <laughs> That is a part of the story, and mm. not at all the story. And no, so I'm going. They were to, already out in the streets when that shit came. To well, that I'm just going to read to you from someone in Puerto Rico, okay, uh, who's an activist, and um, I'm going to let them tell their own story. This is Tanelin Barrios Santana. To all my American and/or English-speaking friends, the riot in Puerto Rico that you're hearing about over Telegram, a chatting app, conversation that was leaked a few days ago. In it, the governor of PR and other members of his administrative team had held conversations of insensitive, misogynist, homophobic, and criminal nature, to say the least. A read through the leaked conversation history reveals how, throughout the aftermath of Hurricane Maria and its apocalyptic death toll, aids that were sent to Puerto Rico, such as water and other provisions, were withheld, intentionally, from people that desperately needed it, and left to spoil or become unusable for the sake of political moves that would make the current administration seem benevolent and thus earn them the 2020 re-election. Do we even have to mention that this guy's a Republican? I mean, obviously. Yes, there were many politically incorrect, hateful, cruel, and abhorrent messages about people such as David Begnod, a CBS reporter whose coverage of Hurricane Maria and the aftermath brought the world's eyes to our tragedy, the city of San Juan's mayor, a death threat, Ricky Martin, homophobic comments, and many others in the messages, they made fun of the more than 4,000 deaths after Maria Hurricane. They exchanged. But it's not the sole reason the people have reached the boiling point. The people of Puerto Rico have come to realize through these conversations the degree of unforgivable cruelty that these criminals, starting with the governor, are capable of, knows no bounds. Thousands of people died, horrible deaths that no one living under the thumb of the most powerful nation in the world should expect to come to see. Yet these pieces of feculent scum cared more about stifling information, misrepresenting facts about the death toll, and securing their place in the next election rather than doing what they were elected to do. Protect your people. 
Soon after they were found out and put on blast by the people and independent media, because the mainstream media is mostly, if not entirely, taking money from them as per the leaked conversations, many members of the admin team resigned and the governor began a series of manipulative damage control tactics that he and his father, an ex-governor himself, have employed in the past to great success. You see, the island's nation's populace is greatly susceptible to religious stunts and propaganda due to our history as a Spanish colony that was forcefully converted to Catholicism and then Protestantism when the U.S. took over. Religion has been the one constant that has brought both pain and healing to the souls of those who've been deprived of liberty and education in many ways. Knowing this, the governor ran to a church the day after this blew up to seek, quote, forgiveness from the Almighty and have the churchgoers pray for him. Here's the clincher, though. The governor and his family have always professed the Catholic faith, and in the equivalent of the White House for Puerto Rico's governor, La Fortaleza, there's a chapel where he could have gone to seek his guidance and forgiveness. Instead, he went to a Protestant church that streams their service online so everyone would see him, quote, humiliating himself before God in a last-ditch effort to distract the angry mob that now wanted him to resign. It didn't work. He addressed the nation on television, saying he reaffirmed his commitment to see his job through and that he would not resign, but would instead, quote, get rid of those that have wronged us, as if he had no part in the damn thing, as if he didn't say that stories about the hurricane needed to be killed, that, quote, crows needed to be fed corpses to keep them appeased, as if he didn't say that Ada Morazan, a respected meteorologist who went the extra mile and then some to keep us informed during hurricane, uh, during and after Maria, should suck his dick. People had enough and decided this piece of shit needs to step down right the fuck now. So you see, my English-speaking, non-Puerto Rican brother or sister, that is, this is what is going on in my country. It is a bittersweet moment, <clears throat> especially for those like me who are far away from home. It's frustrating not to be there with my people. Yesterday, they write a new page in our history. Today, more than ever, I'm proud to say I'm Puerto Rican and these are my people. This is why they protest, because they've had enough of the corruption and cruelty of the few in charge. This is just the beginning. And then this, like, super incredible portrait of this woman with, like, I don't even know, this tape over her mouth and tears down her face. It's amazing. Anyway, so hundreds of thousands of people started to protest. Mm -hmm. And it was immense. Um, And it resulted in exactly what they had asked for, which is that the governor resigned. Um, and changes are happening quickly, and I don't have all of the updates on what's happening currently, but I know yeah, that... I'm not an expert on Puerto Rican politics. I'm uh, not either. Armando covers it sometimes with Kegro, but how did this guy get elected in the first place, you wonder? I, I've, I Again, I don't know. But who are we to talk about how did this how guy, did get, this guy elected get elected in the, the first, first place? place yeah and why they have a governor and not a president and why is puerto rico well they have a governor because they're sort i of a know state? right but why is that is my question why is they why That's are they not a fucking country is my question well they so, should be a state it should be a u.s state i think they should be their own sovereign nation well there's a and lot of reasons so why so they, do they. they enjoy being a u.s protectorate and would like to be a u.s state it's just colonizer bullshit. A U.S. protectorate with no voting rights and no representation. And, like, it's such colonizer well, bullshit because it's a country of brown people and we don't well, want to the recognize that's why them they as equal. Have full, well, yes, exactly. But that's why. But Puerto Rican statehood is a whole different can of worms that I, I am not knowledgeable enough about to really get into. No, neither am I. But I just wanted to point out that, like, Oh, he was mean to Ricky Martin, so people went so to, the streets, to the streets, and it's like, no, yeah, wait, wait, no. What is this, 1996? 
<laughs> yeah, he said really horrible things that are like super problematic in all of these um, leaked whatever telegraph tweets or whatever. Oh yeah, he's a piece of shit all he's around. He's a piece Not of shit all around. Governor. But like the thing that people are the most pissed about is like the shit he did around Maria mm-hmm. that caused and created death and destruction for political gain. Yeah. That is why there are hundreds of thousands of people marching in the streets. Yeah. And that is why ultimately he resigned. Yeah. And like my fucking heart and black flag is with you, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like all the power to you. All right. What else you got? I think that's all I got. What do you got? Well, there's 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 a, several different stories that flew under the radar. One uh, was just handed down last night. Uh, the Supreme Court said Trump can divert military funds oh, right. mm. for his stupid wall. Now, Pentagon, yeah, funds. There's to a start lot. building the wall while the litigation is going forward, so there's no stoppage. Which oh, is God. just like good. I'm so happy that we elected Trump. The Supreme well, Court, let's yeah. talk about a few things related to this, right? Because, first of all, Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Secondly, he's been out on the stump saying the wall's already being built. Uh, third, the legal fight of this is not over. There's, there's going to be all these eminent domain cases that still need to be sorted out. Uh, in the lower courts, all they've done is saying, yes, you can allocate this money to, you know, do this thing. Which, but then the Supreme Court just said, yeah, that's fine. Well, yeah, for the allocation of the money. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> Okay, uh, I have conservative friends out there who said, no, no, don't worry about Kavanaugh and Gorsuch because they are traditionalists. So the, Congress no longer has the power of the purse. We're done with that. We've moved on from that. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Like, imagine Obama saying, I am going to divert... Uh, $2.5 billion, $2.5 billion from billion. the Pentagon to pay for food stamps. No, 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 not for food stamps. Let's say $2.5 billion from the Pentagon to rebuild the infrastructure to make everything green, to make all the major cities run on solar power, let's say. Okay. Let's say he did that. Um, how do you think the Supreme Court would rule? And if the Supreme Court... They wouldn't take the case. Well, they wouldn't even take the case, right? No. It would be, obviously, no, you can't do that. It's <laughs> not your job. Executive branch. Your job, executive branch, is to ask Congress. Well, they they took the case because Trump uh, did this via executive fiat, and yeah. he was sued. And then they said the plaintiffs don't have standing. Um, I, I just read, I read the summary very briefly. I did I not haven't read, read the it. entire decision. I haven't read it. So that's interesting, huh? Supreme Court, right? Like. Yep, I guess so. And then I heard this really funny story that like there's like this mass of materials to build the wall that are actually in Mexico. Mhm. And how are you going to get it? Mexico's like get this shit out of our country. <laughs> and they're get like get this shit off of my lawn. No. And I'm like Mexico, no, no, no. Yo, yo. Just take it. Yeah. It's in your fucking country. In we love borders so much. Squatters, right? They gave you all of, Look at that. The United States of America just gave Mexico how many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of uh uh you know, building, building materials. materials. Build, build some uh You are not allowed to come into our country and take it back because it is in Mexico and borders are important. invade Mexico. No, borders are very important. Mexico's doing this weird thing where they're like, get this shit out of my fucking country and I'm like, yo, just take it. Go build (laughs) something with it. 
don't give it back to us. Go build something with it or burn it or do anything, literally Sell anything it. else. Sell it. I don't care. It's yours now. It's in your country. You think if you dropped a bunch of building supplies in the U.S. and we're like, can we have that back? We'd be like, sure. No. <laughs> fuck you. No. So that's fun. Yeah, that is. We also have... Uh, oh, yeah, what was it? It just slipped my mind. We got the two kids in Italy who killed an Italian cop in a drug deal, apparently. Oh, oh yeah. I don't two care about kids. that. But I do have another thing I want to talk about. Okay. Because I really don't. Do you care about that? Um, no, it might make for an interesting story. We'll hear it about it on a podcast in about eight months from now. <laughs> right. One of your true crime I podcasts. I mean, it's like some... Drunk. They literally look like hungover, rich white kids. Frat boys, yeah. Frat boys that like killed a cop for. I have no idea anything about that story. Drug deal gone bad. Maybe an undercover cop selling them drugs and someone. I mean, I don't know. So I don't care. People immediately. This is what pisses me off though, because it was in Italy and it was American kids. They immediately started invoking Amanda Knox and talking about how. Oh my God! No. She wasn't guilty, and it's like why. Why oh would you make that comparison God. other than they're We don't American. even know anything right now. Why yeah. are we even talking about anything? That's insane. Um, okay. I want to talk about um, the New York City cops getting doused with water. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Like, it's been pretty hot out there. I was thinking that might be welcome, if anything, right? So, there's this this little, like... There's just a thing that's been happening, and people are throwing water on cops. Literal, just water. Just, just water. Tap water in a bucket. Just water in a bucket yeah. on cops in the middle of New York City during a heat wave, like you said. So yeah, um, the cops have been pretty unreactive to it, to be honest. Um, and then it, there was a video that emerged, and and, and then people oh my mad. god, our arf dads got really oh mad. Oh my god, everybody's so mad. <laughs> I mean, Mayor de Blasio, who, by the way, is still running for the Democratic primary, right, for president. (laughs) God, what a joke. Decided to retweet Rudy Giuliani in calling on cracking down on these horrible water dumpers. On the arrest of these criminals in the same breath, in the same week that the cop who murdered Eric Garner, nothing. So you can be a cop and chokehold someone to death while they cry out to you that they can't breathe and nothing will happen to you. But if you're a kid in New York City who's mad about that and you throw a bucket of water on a cop, the whole police force is going to come looking for you. And that is literally what was called for. The police chief called for it. Mayor de Blasio called for it. Rudy Giuliani called for it. Everybody in New York City is like, this is outrageous. You, This is an absolute blah, blue lives blah, this whole thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. Really? They, I saw some of that and thinking was like, oh, well, now it's just water. But what's next? What if there was bleach and chemical? There wasn't. There wasn't bleach or chemical. It's fucking water. And it's it's it's. it's a, what I think is it's sort of akin to a milkshake at a, fa- at a fascist, right? A milkshake. Mm-hmm. It's a humiliation tactic. It's a way to say, I don't fucking like you. It is not harmful. It's not dangerous. It doesn't cause physical harm. All it does is say, fuck you. And you know what our First Amendment right gives us? Is the ability to stand in front of a cop with your fucking middle finger up and say, all I want for Christmas is a dead pig, and you're allowed to say that. 
And that is coming from a Supreme Court case from the 80s. It's a literal text quote. Um, I, although I think it was all I want for Christmas is two dead pigs. But, two's uh, better than one, yeah. Yeah, this both fingers up at two cops, I think, was the, was the quote. Um, that is protected speech. You're allowed to tell cops you fucking hate them. You're allowed to tell them that you wish they were dead. You're not technically allowed to throw water on them, but it's also one of those like, okay, what's the charge? Well, Twitter very breathlessly told us the other day that they caught the perpetrator. Three of them, yes. They arrested three black men, young black men. Um, they've been charged one of them with like a white guy from the picture I saw. I mean, oh, really? Light skinned black I, guy. I, I saw know. three, just three black kids. I saw one picture of a guy that looked like he could have been white, but whatever. Um, yeah, they charged them with like criminal misconduct. Maybe there's copycat disorderly, disorderly conduct, uh, criminal mischief, assaulting um, a police officer. They did not get charged with assaulting a police officer. Oh, they didn't. They well, did maybe not. Add that. If they were in Aurora Municipal Court, they would have. <laughs> um, and then they then the then the police chief came back out and he was like, in addition to that, I'm mm. mad about this. You could be destroying police equipment with the water, and you could be doing. I mean, what equipment? Like their radios and their things, their, their cell phones, and it's like fucking Hopefully. really. This is what you want to fo- like. It's such bad optics, and also fuck you. The oh, way I, that the police department treats the residents of New York City. I hope there's so many more cops getting buckets of water dumped on them. I mean, there should just be a re- everybody should just dump buckets of water on cops, just arrest everybody. No, but being just practical though, like there's been a record fucking heat wave in New York, and if I'm a cop in that fucking black polyester uniform out on the street, like I kind of don't mind. It's probably why well, they're not reacting. Well, that's so interesting. Yeah, like they didn't. They they're, they're all this video right surfaced, and the cops are like, did not like yell or go after the kids so, or like okay. even attempt to like do anything about it. Um... And then this sense that that there's this like this massive violent reaction about it from everybody else, and again in the same breath as as Eric Garner's murderer having nothing done, and also when they're talking about community policing and how we're gonna, you know, engage with our community, and it's oh, like yeah. what fucking how tone deaf are you? First of all, like all of the money that's supposed to go toward like this idea of like community restoration and community policing and like mm-hmm. this idea of like a collaboration between police and everything else. Mm-hmm. I read an article where someone was quoted who was supposed to be part of that and they were saying like, yeah, all of the funding for that has dried up. It all went to the cops. <laughs> Great. And so it's like, okay, well, you could say it's a prank, right? Which maybe it is. You it's a political statement. It's a prank, but it it's also a fucking prank with a political statement wrapped up in it. I, I don't even say it's a prank. It's obviously a political statement. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's done by teenagers doesn't mean it's a not a political statement. A prank is if statement. you're out on the street and you have a dollar on a string and you get some idiot to chase it or, you know, you, some dumb shit like that. Like this People is are a, understandably fucking pissed. It's a political statement. Yeah. And that's also, by the way, protected speech. Now, I guess you could be charged with whatever bullshit misdemeanor which also ruins lives people don't realize like oh it's just a misdemeanor and it's like yeah which puts a fucking mark on your record have you ever been convicted of a crime for employment applications for uh, chances are these guys housing applications had some kind for, of rap sheets just by virtue of being young black men in new york city right stop and frisk and just yeah. any just existing which being black by the way let's go ahead let's go ahead and and take a quick turn with the last couple minutes so 
lately after Kamala Harris has been going after Biden, Cory Booker's been going after Biden. Yeah. And Biden came back at him about stop and frisk in Newark when he yep. was mayor, and that's fair game. Yep. I would like to hear what Cory Booker has to say about me that. Me too. So, um, friend of the show, Jermaine, sent me a podcast link um, of like an hour-long interview with Cory Booker um, on some podcast that I have not yet listened to, but I, I think it's into that, because um, that's something we were talking about earlier. So, I think it's fair game. No, um, I'm not. I'm not praising Biden for that because it's it, it's not addressing well, it's, his own shit. Well, and it's playing um, what aboutism and also the false equivalency game. Holy shit! But using stop and frisk is a problem, and he should fucking address it. Writing the crime bill—that's yeah. <laughs> a different ball game entirely. Granted, but since the topic came up, yeah. No, I mean I agree. I agree, but I do not think we get to make the same. I do not think we get to make equivalency here. No, that's like saying, "fucking Al Franken is you know Jeffrey Epstein." That's the <laughs> that's what that is. Right. That's not the same thing right. at all. Right. At all, even close. Oh. Both of them are problematic. They are not the same. And since we're doing lightning round stream of consciousness for this last few minutes, uh, an Epstein update. Uh, yeah. I saw that Fox News actually got breathless for five minutes. Because of the connection between Epstein and the CEO of Victoria's Secret, yes. Now I he now, like managed their fund. Yeah. Now, but here's the thing, right? Because Fox News is not going to do that unless there's some kind of angle they like in it. So, was the Victoria's Secret CEO a big Democratic donor? Maybe, probably. Or is it because it's a women's like all those young all those women slutty like, things like Victoria's Secret? Was yeah, that I think angle? that's the angle. Okay, that's yeah. really dumb. I know. Also, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't think we mentioned regarding Epstein that he was found semi-conscious in his jail cell this week. Yeah, we, no one, and we haven't heard anything else about um, that. Like, they wasn't clear at all. Did injuries he to, to his neck. Did he try to hang himself? Did somebody choke him? Here's, did he try to cut himself? We have no idea. No idea. Here's my question. And it's sort of rhetorical, but also it's a serious question. What is the likelihood that knowing what we know about the people that are going to get wrapped up in this, that after he is arrested and jailed, any of them allow him to survive? Um, I wouldn't even go as far as to say they'll have to do it. I don't think Jeffrey Epstein, I think Jeffrey Epstein would sooner die than have to actually finally face justice, sit in a courtroom, face his accusers in front of the world right. and have every, the world know the extent and details of everything he did. I think he would rather die first. I do too. And also, if he's not doing that quickly enough, someone else will make that happen for him. Certainly. I, I think it would be very easy to like, considering the level of like money and power and influence that the people who are wrapped up look, in this if, have, if you're to a, pay off a couple of fucking prison guards. Look, small-time like, small meth, meth dealers can get guys shanked in prison. Yes. You don't think the richest, most powerful people in the world could do it? Right. If he's not going to off himself, they're going to make sure he never, ever, 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 ever speaks a day in his life in court. Not a di- not one word. Well, it may be too late for that. Because I mean, remember, they've, they've gone in and raided and gotten all his shit. Yes. So they don't. The case they don't doesn't need end him with him. Say anything. They, well, no, but they don't want him to say anything either. Sure. That Granted. seals the deal, right? Yeah. Um, and I had a person ask me the other day, a coworker of mine. Um, but if he's dead, then the case ends with him, and I'm like, well, mm, that's true in yes terms of no. his, the charges levied against him, and if you're dead, that's true. 
Um, but the information that the feds have gathered about all of his co-conspirators and mm-hmm. all the other people that are involved, they still have that information, and they don't really need him um, to use that information to make charges against those people. So I don't think that if something, if he ends up dying, and it doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen, but if he ends up dying, I don't think that means the end of this child sex trafficking ring case ends. It just means that he won't be testifying and he won't go to jail because he'll be dead. <laughs> and lightning round from that, um, Ilan Omar has a Republican challenger for oh who's he? Oh my God, I saw it. Who is a oh certifiable crazy person who's a QAnon believer and has been arrested for shop- shoplifting a bunch of times and talks like, like a 10-year-old girl yes. and is just a nightmare. And I think she's actually very mentally um, not all there. So I don't want to try to poke too much fun of her because she's off but Republicans in the district seem to love her so hopefully we'll get to see a debate between this crazy person right someone said on Twitter and I agree like I'd like to congratulate Ilan Omar on her 2020 win well I I, I think this lady (laughs) might have a primary challenger and I think Ilan Omar won that seat easily so it's a waste of time but oh that's one more thing I wanted to get to I think uh as far as AOC, Depp won by like 50 points. Ilan Omar, I think, won comfortably. And I think Tlaib and Presley all won comfortably. So I think there's a lot of grifters out there who want to challenge them just so they can raise a bunch of money and yeah. get their faces. And they're going to be cranks. And like if, you know, if your Republican dads out there want to donate money because they hate the squad and they don't want to donate money to actual <laughs> uh, competitive seats. Because yes, donate do money it. to their Give them so much all money. money. Go, go march, go knock doors in the district. Go, go. You, you go the Republican the Party is not going to back these people. They're not going to put any time, resources, money, anything into Fox these people. Fox News might just for ratings. They're, no, the Republic, well, Fox News can't. But the Republican Party is not going to back these people financially because yeah, Fox News might put them on the air. Oh, for sure, right? Unless they're totally crazy, like this lady, like oh, oh they're not going to put her on the air. No, they're not going to waste their time. And these, the squad, is also a huge money making opportunity for the RNC. So they sort of hope they stick around. So they're not going to try to fight them at all. Raise overall money, but like direct money to the. Oh, please go donate to whatever her name is at whatever dot whatever (laughs) act bread whatever their version of that is. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for us at Irreverent Duo Twitter, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. There's a debate Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll tell you all about it. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. Talk to you next week. Bye.